Hello again, Awesomers. It's me. It's your buddy, Steve Simonson, and I'm coming back to you with another live episode of the Awesomers.com podcast. Now, this is an impromptu ad hoc episode because basically I want to talk just a moment, just a moment or two about tariffs. And I have to say, um, I may be wrong. I may have been wrong. The, the escalation that happened, <laughs> literally, like the day after, I'm like, ah, I, I expect this trade stuff to simmer down pretty soon. It escalated literally within 24 hours of me making my recent proclamation that, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be okay, and I expect it to not resolve itself uh, 100% per se, but to kind of wind down or, or relax. So if you listen to Osmer's episode uh, number 144, you can see that at osmers.com slash 144. I proclaimed, yeah, this is, um, even though there's a lot of press, there's a lot of news, I don't think it's, it's a total meltdown. And then, of course, within like 24 hours, Trump decides to send a tweet. Uh, maybe he was waiting for the episode to drop. Then he could embarrass me. And uh, here we are at Osmers.com, episode number 145, uh, a linear progression from 144, if uh, you're a mathematician. And I have to say that maybe I was wrong. But here is my quick view of the world as we sit here today. And, uh, and I don't have a great deal of time. I'm literally flying out of town um, on the way to the uh, Billion Dollar Summit, the Billion Dollar Seller Summit uh, put on by the great Kevin King down in Austin, Texas. And I'm doing this right on the heels of the Empower Seattle Summit, which ended last night, less than 12 hours ago. And... Uh, I just want to say, uh, A, the Empower event was extraordinary. We had not just great people and great experts. We had great experiences with, um, you know, some of uh, guys from a Costco agency. We went over to Amazon, met with a couple of departments, went over to eBay, met with some folks. And we had great world-class experts. Uh, Yuri Stretz, uh, Rick Cesari, uh, so many others. Honestly, it was an incredible event. But it's left me both energized and somehow exhausted because I take um, like the weight of the world on me when these events are coming up because I want to deliver on the promise. I want it to be something so unique and so fulfilling and so awesomer uh, to stay on brand that, that people walk away and go, wow, that's more than I expected. I mean, really, I want to exceed expectations. Our mission in pretty much anything I do is to deliver overwhelming value. So... So that was totally cool. I'm heading down to Texas for some totally hot stuff. Uh, it'll be a different kind of thing, but it'll still be amazing and hot. And I say that because Austin was 90 degrees when I checked the temperature moments ago. Uh, so back on China, here's the situation as I see it. So I, I, I don't want to go into all the nuances, but when Trump made the, the latest saber rattle uh, of, you know, we're going to kick up the, uh, I think it's the Section 201 tariffs. This is a group of 200 plus billion dollars worth of imports. We're going to kick that up to 25%. He earlier last September ish raised it up to 10%. That's a new tariff. Now he's taking that 10 up to 25. So the net increase on that is 15%. Uh, but he didn't do it immediately like he did last September. He, he put a little bit of a, a window on it, basically saying, Anything leaving China today is subject to that, which means in the most cases with ocean freight, you're going to have somewhere between two and four weeks before that 
duty or that tariff would actually be paid. That, that's actually a subtle little nuance in the negotiation where he says, there's a little time here. Um, the president of China or prime minister, I, I think they think of him as a president or chairman. I don't know what he is, but the big wig over there in China, she, uh, he also, uh, you know, very tough negotiator. He said, Hey, we're going to put tariffs on $60 billion worth of stuff coming from the U S to China. And we're going to make that effective June 1st. Also a slight window from his date of announcement to the date of effective uh, enforcement. So in my mind, there's this tiny little glimmer of hope about maybe they'll, maybe they'll find some way to, you know, put the missiles back in the bunker before uh, all hell breaks loose, basically. And, and these may be subtle little details that most people don't see. The, the press certainly is probably either unaware of them or doesn't consider them important, or it certainly doesn't lead to headlines. Uh, that said, I do think it's fair for the press to cover this topic in a, uh, in a way that is loud. Um, I, I don't want people to be alarmed because every problem has a solution. But this is a significant and unexpected turn of pressure and ratcheting up of rhetoric that goes along with this. There are so many issues related to this concept and this, this imbalance between these countries. This dispute is far more than uh, tariff driven. Uh, th those are just kind of the swords that are being levied right now. We, we may see headlines about Huawei uh, and ZTE. These are telecom companies out of China that the US is now bringing heavy enforcement against other countries as well. There's the South Pacific uh, man-made islands that China's throwing up. There are, of course, the, the pure trade deficits that we're dealing with. There's rampant intellectual property fraud that has existed in China forever and seems like it will always continue. There is the Belt and Road Initiative by China, the Made in China initiatives that are basically sending you know, their tentacles around the world and the U.S. is is trying to rebalance the field before it gets left behind, frankly. I, I, don't, I don't think the motives are wrong uh, by the administration. Uh, I think their communication is ham-handed. I think issuing policy updates via Twitter is idiotic, frankly. Uh, and no, I would not uh, like to go have dinner with Donald Trump. I think he's a, you know, comes across a total jerk and a-hole and arrogant, and narcissistic and loves the, the tan or spray tan, I don't know what is happening there, but that doesn't mean I disagree with every one of his moves. I think in many ways, this particular fight, not only is it the right fight at the right time, because nobody else had the guts to do it, so that means now is the right time based on the lack of everybody else uh, having the, I don't know, the wherewithal to bring this fight forward. I also think, that this nutty style, even though I don't like some of the, the individual things, the tweets and the ham-handed communication and, you know, some of the wild vacillations, I think that is actually and can be advantageous for the United States and the rest of the world who will follow whatever happens here as, as they negotiate against the world's best traders. The, I think the Chinese have proven themselves for millennia as the best traders. And even when they were relatively isolated, they still had the Silk Road, and they have had centuries of experience 
uh, more than, certainly more than the United States. So I'm telling you this, first of all, if you haven't read Poorly Made in China, go read it. Very, very good book. It'll teach you a lot about the Chinese culture. Read Paul Midler's follow-on book called What's Wrong with China. If you want a meta-level view of why some of these issues exist from a historical perspective and an expert perspective, and, and maybe what needs to be done about it. Uh, but I do want to say that my drop dead date is around June 1st. If there's not some calming of the storm, if, if the rhetoric doesn't mellow out a bit, if there are not some sort of olive branches being issued at that time, I am going to buckle up for a long fight. And I'm going to take it very seriously. In fact, I would say if I see this thing turning into, from a kerfuffle, which I've predicted that it was up until now, into a war, which it will be if, if the rhetoric goes up. They, they are really heading towards the, you know, all hands on deck, scorched earth policy then I will take aggressive measures to start sourcing everything possible in other countries. And for those keep a score at home, I would love to source within the United States for, for U.S.-dominated companies and within Europe for European-dominated sales channels, Canada for, for the same reasons. But that's not always possible, not in this day and age. So, you know, I get uh, critics from time to time, they'll send me a little flaming email that goes, you know, why don't you just buy from the U.S. and you won't have the problem. It's like, uh, why don't you learn how the world actually works uh, and then give me a comment. If you're not in the fight, then shut up and get off the uh, stage. You don't know what you're talking about. I can say unequivocally that the uneducated and those who really don't understand the global supply chain have no business issuing their commentary about these things. Again, I'll repeat what I said just before my little rant. I would love to source from the United States. There's shorter lead times, there's same language, there's same sensibilities uh, about warranties and you know, backing things up and, and contracts and intellectual property rights and it would be great. But there are not manufacturers that exist in most spaces and certainly not at the economic level that Americans expect to buy finished products. And I know there are exceptions to every rule. There are some manufacturers uh, in the United States, and we'll try to leverage those as we can. But I want to just be clear that this is a global world we live in. And the United States is not my only sales channel or my only geographic target for selling. And I, as a responsible person for my company, and I have a fiduciary duty to my shareholders and my team and my, my partners, that I want to I'll do whatever I have to do to source elsewhere. And we do have the, these resources. So in the coming episodes, we'll talk about how do you source from outside of China? What does that process look like? How fast can it work? But I will make this prediction. If the you know, nuclear option happens where these countries just keep ratcheting up tariffs and they keep needling each other with, you know, China may start, slow down exports uh, to to punish some of the, the exporters that are still there, that are American. China's specifically targeting their tariffs and, and measures against products and people they think are Trump supporters. So they're fighting this in a political way to say, if they can make Trump supporters feel like they're being hurt by Trump's decisions, then they'll vote out Trump and China will just wanna play the waiting game and see who's elected in 2020 
because it's, uh, it's getting that close. And that's the biggest danger. This is the, the point, is that China thinks if they can just kick the can to 2020 and then Trump's out, then they'll just roll over the next guys just like they roll over the, the last 40 years worth of guys on both sides of the aisle. This is not a political discussion, by the way. So that's, that's my thoughts for today. If in the next you know, time period from the, the time this podcast recorded to the early part of June 2019, if there's not some indication that the, the rhetoric and the actions are on a downward trajectory, then I'm going to try to move everything I can. And I predict a year from now, 80 to 90% of my stuff will be done outside of China. And I will be helping members of the Empower E-Commerce Cooperative, the Catalyst 88 Mastermind, and pretty much anybody else who needs the help to try to uh, deal with this, this, this reality that China is you know, not playing fair, in my humble opinion. And I want to say very clearly, I have a, a China team. They will help and be part of this process, sourcing anywhere in the world. Uh, because they speak English and they're trade experts, it doesn't matter really where they are. We have access to <clears throat> inspection companies that can handle global footprints. And as we ratchet up and have enough people uh, or enough activity, say in Vietnam, we'll hire people in Vietnam. And we have enough activity in Malaysia, Cambodia, we'll hire people there. Thailand, the same. But even today, we could have inspections done almost anywhere in the world. So uh, I appreciate you guys listening. This is Awesomers episode number 145. Go to awesomers.com slash 145. If you want to find out what's happening on this battle, if you want to find out how I'm going to get around some of these things, go to awesomers.com and subscribe to the newsletter uh, there because we send out some data from time to time. And if you're not already, become an Empower e-commerce member. This cooperative is a nonprofit member-owned co-op. And in the next few months, I'm going to focus all of my external free stuff through that, uh, that co-op besides the podcast. Uh, the podcast will uh, certainly be available as much as I can do it, but I, I just don't have enough time to spread myself thin doing free stuff all the time. So anyway, I appreciate you guys. I love entrepreneurs, as you know, and uh, I, I want you to be successful. I want you to not get caught up in the, the machine and the politics of these uh, people. I want your business to survive and thrive and can continue onwards. There is a problem to every solution. It's not the end of the world but we will have all hands on deck and we will be ready for the fight. Thanks everybody. See you next time.